Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Post Traumatic Survival Podcast, a show that helps you rewire your brain to survive and thrive. Join your host, Ozzy Martinez Jr., a Marine, a combat disabled vet, husband, and father, as he shares his firsthand knowledge and experience of hitting rock bottom, almost ending it all, and then turning it around. Dive into the rewired minds of thriving survivors. This show is an in-depth look at post-traumatic survival. And now, Ozzy. What's up, everybody? Hope everybody's having a great day. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining for, for my podcast if this is your first time listening, this is an amazing podcast to be listening to. So I interviewed a while back a buddy of mine, Tyler Southern. He's an amazing individual individual in my eyes. Um, I've hung out with this guy. I've been able to take him fishing, and I've gotten to see just how full of life he is. And he's, if you've heard our episode, he's inspired me to live a lot more than what I was living before. So he introduced me to a friend of his named Mandy. And I'm super stoked to have her on the show because Mandy has uh, hit rock bottom and has now turned her life around, you know, and and is doing so good for herself and for 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 other individuals and kids and and anybody that's in her position. So, Mandy, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. You know, I, I I don't know if you noticed. I said just Mandy. I didn't want to butcher your last name. I've been trying to watch videos to make sure I say it correctly. But oh, how you're do you good. Say it? You're good. It's it's actually a it's a common joke I get on the phone line. Uh, <laughs> what's your last name? Horbath? No, it's definitely not Horbath. It's a there's a V in there. All right. So it's <laughs> Mandy Horvath, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes, perfect. Sir. So, and just real quick, let's go ahead and start off, Man- Mandy. Where where can we find you? What's your social media? Oh, you can find me on Instagram at Lifeproof Bionic Woman, and you can find me on Facebook <clears throat> as Mandy Horvath, and I have a public figure page under that name as well. Awesome. Thank you so, so much. R is in Victor, A-T-H. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Mandy, uh, I mean, let's go ahead and just jump right into it because that's the way I like to do it. Um, I, 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 I tried briefly hearing your story, but then I didn't want to hear any more of it because I want to learn from you. I want, I don't want to hear from anybody that's edited or anything like that. I want to hear from you. You know, um, this happened to you at a young age, correct? Yeah. Um, now I am 26 years old, but in 2014, in the month of July, I was out with some friends, a little bit of background. I'm a bilateral above me amputee now. <laughs> um, I went out with some friends a night in July back when I had just turned 21. And um, I thought I was with people that I thought I could trust. And um, I had two beers and two shots in a little town where there's nothing but a post office, a little bar and some train tracks. After two beers and two shots, I stepped outside to have a cigarette, and that's when the world went black. I woke up in an ambulance, and, um, <clears throat> you know, I uh, couldn't really make out what was above me because of the light, but somebody was slapping my face as hard as they could. Um, 
I know that to be the EMT now, just, you know, Hey, stay with us, stay with us. And I was trying to get up. I was like, Hey, you're going to let me go home. And at that point he had slammed me back down on the gurney and started putting a cervical collar on me. And I, I, I'm really stubborn and I was still in shock. And so uh, it was at that point I tried kicking my legs in the air in the ambulance and realized uh, something's not quite right there. And it was at that point that the EMT had told me, you know, like you've just lost your limbs. We're going to need you to calm down. And they started strapping my body. And that's the first time I died. I died again in the helicopter <clears throat> on the way to Brian West Medical Center. And I died again on the surgery table shortly after arriving at Brian West Medical Center while Dr. David Samani and Dr. Reginald Burden uh, worked into the early hours of the morning to uh, save my life. Um, unlike a normal amputee, uh, I, I don't know that, that there is a normal amputee, I guess, but whenever you get blown up or hit or smashed, uh, things don't, you know, break off in pretty pieces. And so, um, Unlike most amputees, they couldn't just sew me up. I had massive gaping holes um, in my skin and muscle. And so my surgical um, team lead, he had suggested using a product called Acel SimCell on me, which is dried pig's bl uh, bladder mixed with stem cells and powdered form. And what this is meant to do is it's meant to regenerate skin, muscle, and tissue growth. And um, that's, that's great. So I went through um, several months of surgeries every Tuesday and Friday, uh, debridement surgeries where they would go in. And I, I tried to stay awake during one of my first surgeries. Um, my surgeon recognized that I had a lot of anxiety about not really knowing what was going on to me um, when I had been put under. I'd never been through any kind of operation prior to this. And uh, so they let me stay awake. And essentially what they did is they go in and they take off the necroted tissue, um, but the excess fat, the, the seepage, with a medical SOS pad and some iodine essentially. And then they applied that powder and wrapped my legs back up. And it really did work to regenerate the muscle and the skin and the tissue growth. It was fantastic. In fact, I was almost getting fitted for my first set of prosthetics. I wasn't completely sewn up. I still had um, massive spots of um, open skin and muscle and tissue. <clears throat> but my uh, surgeon had realized, you know, like it's time to go ahead and get her back. And while I was in that process, we had discovered that um, this ASL stem cell, it was really great for regenerating my muscle and skin and tissue growth, but it had also gotten attached to my bone because there were gaping holes, like I was saying. And so in 2015, instead of going into my um, next phase of recovery and prosthetic work, I had to be re-amputated on Christmas day of 2015, where they went in and they sawed off the excess bone. <clears throat> and uh, then following that, I had some more 
revision surgeries that we had to go through just because they still couldn't get me to close up. I was so swollen. And when you say reamputated, so our listeners understand, you mean like they'll go ahead and reduce whatever there was left over, correct? Yeah, they had to go in and saw off the bone spurs that were growing. It wasn't the typical heterotrophic bone that you see growing in um, standard amputees in the general population. In fact, what I experienced is what I experienced is what they call osteoregeneration. And that occurs to less than, I think, 0.03% of the population of all amputees worldwide. Wow. Um, and, and so they, they had to go in and completely cut that bone down uh, back to a flat top so to say, so that heterotrophic bone that is more like a uh, callus bone, so to say, it it, it tends to flourish at the end of the amputation to help with impact. Right. So it's almost like it, it creates its own cushion. It's what it's trying to do. Exactly. Exactly. And it was totally unlike that, but they had to go in and clean it up so that that heterotrophic bone could grow eventually and I would be able to walk. Uh, I had <clears throat> a really hard time getting through that that second amputation because of uh, you know I was so excited to get into my prosthetics and get my life back that t- having that taken from me for another year entirely was um, really hard and I you know they had me on 22 medications a day um, anything that they thought would help me because I had such terrible time with uh, phantom pain, Uh, shocks and fires all the way down my legs to the toes that weren't there. Um, You know, and I fell into a really hard depression. I gained over a hundred pounds. I weighed double what I weigh now. Um, This is now in 2016 where you're 23 years old. Yeah. And at that point, it was uh, time for a pretty big change. And so I had decided to go ahead and uh, leave. <clears throat> I was staying in Kansas City at the time, and I decided to move out to Colorado. And that really changed my life because it gave me an alternative uh, to the 22 medications a day. And uh, I, I, I took that. I started involving myself in medicinal marijuana and took myself off all of the medications. Um, and it really helped my life. I, uh, I still had issues with alcoholism and, uh, that definitely affected me, you know, in in recent years, but it's gotten a lot better. I, I, Five years ago, when I was sitting in a hospital bed, I remember people asking me to look at where I could be in five years. And I remember being so hard on myself. Like, I have to do this. I have to do that. I have to be completely ambulatory in my legs. I have to get back to normal. And um, I just didn't realize at that time. that there is not really a definition of normal, especially now. There's not a definition of normal for anybody because pain is relative and we all have struggle, no matter what that might be, whether it's addiction, alcoholism, whether it's 
medical, whether you, I mean, you know, there's just so much going on in other people's lives that to connect upon that judging another story just didn't really set well with me. So I, I, I set out on this adventure to make my own story. Um, you know, I, I lost all the weight after moving to Colorado. I got my life back and I, I started getting back into this really hard on myself mindset where I was seeing other people in Colorado with their pictures up on the mountaintops and uh, stuff like that. And I, I got tired of feeling sorry for myself. And, <clears throat> you know, it, I asked a bunch of people to go and do the incline with me in April and pretty much everybody had bailed on me or said that I wouldn't be able to do it. And if you don't know anything about the incline, yeah, I was about to ask you, what is that? <laughs> it doesn't sound fun though. The incline if people is, are bailing. It doesn't sound fun. <laughs> yeah. It's 2,700 railroad tie steps up the side of a mountain. Okay. It, it gains over uh, 2000 feet of elevation and under a mile. Wow. And this is all in Colorado. It's all, which in is already, which is already, high up to begin with, right? Because isn't this like yeah. the mile high state or whatever it is? <laughs> right. And uh, I came to a turning point in my life on April 22nd. You know, everybody had bailed on me to go do this incline thing. And uh, I'm for a lack of, you know, way to put sprinkles on it. I, I left provisions for my dogs at the bottom of the mountain. And I drove up in my car with a loaded 45. And no intentions of returning. Um, I, I got up to the little mountain point and there was a black truck with a couple on it. And they were obviously doing stuff that I didn't want to interrupt with a gunshot. <laughs> you know, some my compassion saved my life for somebody else getting it on. Like, hey, I don't want to be a cock block. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's that mentality I, that we have. It's <laughs> I, I fell asleep in my car with a loaded 45 on my lap. And waiting for them up. to finish. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I woke up the next morning and it's this mountain valley. And uh, there's this just the sun started peeking through the trees and it woke me up and my phone went off. And this old guy that I used to hang out with at the bar, he's like in his six, late 60s or 70s, name's Keith. And I thought that everybody had forgotten like my request to go do the incline, but he didn't. And he believed in me and he's like, hey, do you still want to go do the incline? And so here I am up at the top of the mountain. I, I've gotten everything set up for my dogs, for my never return. And um, <clears throat> I decided to go over to the incline instead. I, uh, I hadn't eaten, hadn't <laughs> properly done anything i had leggings on that looked like jeans <laughs> and i did it with uh keith and a random instagrammer named daniel pond who had just randomly seen my post and decided to show up you know these uh acquaintances that you don't think pay attention or listen to you um those are the ones you really need to focus on because uh, they're the ones that'll change your life. You know, Daniel Pond, after completing the incline, 
he's the mountaineer who led me up the excursion, my first trek up the mountain. I, I completed Pike's Peak with him by my side, a ran, random Instagrammer. So you did the incline and you did Pike's Peak. Yep. And all of this is like in one year? Or in a couple yeah. weeks, a month? What is this? Like, what's no, going on? No, I did the incline on April 22nd and of by 2017? June 10th, uh, in 2018. So 2018, yeah. So you moved to Colorado in like 2017. You know, I'm trying to, trying to picture your life here. So you move. So I want to understand this. Like, you went to the mountain, and I totally understand you. Um, you were... You were exactly, I guess, like me in that at that point where I went to the reunion with my friends. And you hear in the first episode that I said that I was so suicidal. I wanted to just end my life. I prayed every day, please. And my problem was I didn't want to kill myself. I didn't want to be found like that. I wanted it to be a mistake, like an OD. Um, I wanted it to be me getting hit by a bus. Uh, somebody I pissed off was tougher than me. Um, something, I just didn't want it to be me killing myself. And I went to this reunion in September of 2014, marking the 10 year anniversary of Fallujah. And I went there to say goodbye. That's what I went to that reunion for. And I left that reunion on a different path where I was like, this is it. If I reunite guys and we're able to talk and we realize we're not alone with like-minded individuals, I think I could, I could, I could change one person from committing suicide. So I started my organization you know, and I'm and I'm trying to tell individuals that it literally gets to the point where you have to hit rock bottom, where you no longer want to live that life no more. Yeah. <clears throat> and like you said, you it saved you though that a couple was there, and I wish that you knew who they were. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, like that, that I it saved you that you were gonna do that. Instead, you woke up the next morning and literally did the incline, and took a different path in your, in your life. Yeah. Um, what did you, you do? Know, what did you do after Pike? <laughs> well, I mean, while all of this was going on, like, like I said, I was never shy about admitting, like I was struggling and I was drinking a lot, like to the point where my body was completely addicted to it. I, I would wake up and there would be my glass of wine that I'd left from the night before, because I knew if I didn't drink that glass of wine, I was going to be throwing up, god awful mess all day because on top of that it's a new life for you because you're now an amputee and you're getting used to that but now you're getting called to different big tv shows and you're you're i mean we spoke earlier and and i mean we were talking about a possible you know not not like that. Like you were like, I don't have a manager. I don't, I, it's tough me running myself or, you know, like sometimes it's tough to do things, you know, and, and I could, I could imagine it because I take a lot upon myself because of the control I want in my life, you know, and right. you're doing all of this the same. And, and like you said, so all of this pressure's on you and you're drinking every day. You're, well, it was especially hard for me because like, I didn't expect the, the blow up from the incline. You know, I, I posted that, I think the day after two days later, just like, Hey, I did a cool thing. And it turned into something I didn't even know I was capable of doing. I remember 
when I was in the hospital, there was a preacher that would come to my room every day and he would do amazing things for my family. My mother, whenever she was staying, she would get to go and stay at his house. But he had one thing whenever he was pressing into my head in the hospital. And that was Matthew 17, 20. <laughs> if you just have faith the size of a mustard grain seed, you can move mountains, it says. And never did I think that I was going to live in Colorado. Never did I think that I was going to climb the incline, nor did I think people were going to um, be so attracted to, to that event. And uh, I, I, I got so wrapped up in the alcoholism and not knowing how to ask for help and trying to be a hero that there was no space for myself anymore. I was just dead internally, you know? People would call me for these interviews and ask me to, to help them. And I didn't know how to help them because I couldn't help myself. I couldn't even get out of the bed in the morning without having a drink. Daniel Pond had to go hang a bear bag of wine so that I didn't go into withdrawals and die on the mountain, you know? And then, Two weeks before I'm arrested, and you know, I, I'm not proud of it, but it was my third DUI within six months. And to be quite honest with you, that was Colorado Springs police being nice to me because they were a couple other opportunities where they could have really knocked my ass off and I would be in prison now. But the thing is, is um, I, I was arrested on August 15th of 2018 for my third DUI. And um, the headliner reads that I assaulted an EMT and everything else. And I can tell you, because I've watched that video, um, my intention was to hurt myself. Uh, that's why there's scrapes all over my face. I wasn't messed up. You know, I wasn't involved in other drugs. I was severely depressed. I was in a very bad way. Um, and I, I won't ever be able to make up for uh, the, the harm that I, I caused that EMT, you know. I can make a very public apology and hope that somewhere along the lines, he can hear it and know that it was never my intention because uh, again, it was more of an internal struggle than it was anything. But I went through that and uh, I was putting CJC on a no bond hold as they were pretty serious about that. And um, I, was also put in isolation in CJC because of my name, people were recognizing me. And so I went through withdrawals for three days, no medical attention. And uh, I just barely got onto a considerations list because of a couple of the other inmates who directed me to go talk to a random woman at a table. And I got up in front of that judge on the screen and I, I won't ever forget his words to me because he understood and he gave me a chance. 
But he looked at me on that screen and he said, I honestly don't want to let you go. If you're going to kill yourself, don't kill somebody else with you. Here's your opportunity. I hope you do something with it. And he let and you he out. Let me out. Wow. On a personal recognizance bond. And um, I made a decision because that day that I had gotten out, um, I was going in through the routine um, processing for drug and alcohol evaluation <clears throat> so that they could start monitoring my sobriety and uh, those steps. And sitting in my car, getting ready to go into the building, I got a call from um, Seth Boaster, a Gazette writer. And uh, he said, Mandy, I'm gonna need you to do a few things for me. I'm gonna need you to take Snapchat off of your phone. I want you to log out and deactivate your Facebook. And I basically just want you to not answer any calls that you get any emails, anything like that. I had no idea what was about to happen, but um, the world unleashed on me in a way that I won't ever come back from. In media, I have found that it's especially difficult as a woman to defend yourself and um, justify who you are. Earlier in that summer, I had a reporter that had passed my story along so that he could take me out on a date. And I let him take me out on a date where he proceeded to disrespect me and my entire company push my friends. And um, one night I got a text message from him <clears throat> after his long apology, everything else, a few weeks later. And it said, uh, I heard all the shit you talked about me. And you best believe that if anybody asks, they'll know exactly what I think about you. Um, this is after me telling him that he couldn't come over to make me feel good before I went to sleep. And uh, it's because I didn't bow down to that reporter that that news outlet was the first to publish everything um, incorrectly, might I add. They put my life's biggest accomplishment next to my life's biggest failure. And it was other reporters like Seth Boaster from the Gazette who had to come and fucking save me. Because one, one had wanted to hang you up to dry. I was in my car getting ready to go check in for that routine thing. 
and my body was already convulsing. But it was at that point, I couldn't even drive myself back to my apartment that was less than two miles away. I had to go directly to a hospital. And when I got there, they monitored me for the next three days and told me that if I had not come in, I would have seized out and died because I had no medical attention for the massive withdrawals that I was experiencing. My blood pressure was up at a fatal level and the entire world was commenting on my life as though they knew me, as if they know what I'd been through, as if I had deserved what had happened to me. And that, that's when I learned how cruel humanity can be. You know, somebody took my damn legs and I forgave them. But millions of people commenting, victim shaming, it destroyed me. But it also kept me sober. How did you come back from that? I mean, I, I could see, I could see how it kept you sober because you didn't want to give them any, any, you didn't want to, you didn't, you knew half the shit they were saying was fucking wrong and you didn't want to prove any of it because, because now you're feeling whatever your alcoholism with anger and reading these comments and yeah, stupid shit will happen, you know? So I understand how you, you become sober, but how, how, what else did it do to you? How did, how, what, what kind of a fire did it light under your ass? Well, um, I really just didn't want to be another statistic at that point. You know, um, I guess I, I wanted to come back from that. I, I just, I never wanted to be at that low again. I thought that losing my legs was low. I was so wrong because the emotional and mental pain that came from that event and the entire um, public that I had um, trusted you know, I just, I don't know that I actually have fully come back from that. I'm, I'm, I'm stepping out of the box and I'm really trying to get back from that because I hid for a long time. This, this happened in August of 2015. And then uh, I, I put myself through rehab. I spent 30 days up at Atchison Valley Hope and uh, they helped me get stabilized and everything so that I could <clears throat> go back to my home life. And I made it a point to get everything done that I could within the uh, first year of my probation. 
I um, did over 300 hours of community service. I did several hours of therapy. Um, I spent the entire summer in jail in downtown Colorado Springs work release program. And uh, I, I stayed sober. That, that was the big thing. I stayed sober. I was very blessed to have other people in the community there in Colorado Springs, like uh, Johnny Joy from Mountain Country Radio and uh, Phil Duhon that um, owns a restaurant down there in downtown Colorado Springs. These are, uh, and Robin Moore, these are pillars of my sobriety because I, I didn't want to associate with people. I didn't want to go into the AA rooms where people that supposedly knew me would sit there and judge me um, everywhere I went. I, 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 I didn't even go out to eat at places anymore because people were um, so strange around me at that point. <clears throat> and, uh, and, and, you know, and maybe even if they weren't, you already thought they were. Like you were just in a position already that you were broken. Yeah, I, I you know, I was incredibly sensitive to to um, weird vibes and glances and people contacting me because uh, there's a certain level of trust that was broken um, with my media, and now I feel more confident going into it that nobody. Um, Nobody's going to exploit me and use me in that way again, because I'm going to um, avidly go about my life in a way that if you want to try to dig up stuff, have fun in the past kind of thing, you know, um, my future's going to be a little different than that. And I finished my college finals while I was in jail with an expo marker. You know, I was just determined not to let it really completely screw up my life like I thought it did. Like I let everybody make me believe. Um, <clears throat> I, I thought it was incredibly disheartening how many people were just rooting for me to fail. Like she'll never stay sober, all this other stuff. and. Uh, you know, it, it fueled me. Like I have these words tattooed across my chest that I read every morning and they say, tell me that I can't and I will show you that I can. And that's there for a reason. Um, and it fueled a lot of my sobriety. And I, I proceeded to go ahead and decide that I wasn't going to stop climbing the mountain. I wasn't going to stop doing this for charity because, um, okay, it, you know, if you want to exploit my story and exploit what happened and what I did in the past for a few likes, that's on you. That shows more about your character than mine. You know, if you want to talk about something that's inspiring and what I've done right, Let's fucking talk, you know? I've climbed a mountain on my hands and my ass. I got through losing my limbs. I've, I was the first female in the United States to skydive with no legs. Like, 
I, everything that I've done is for charity. I don't want anything that's big and glamorous. I just want to show people that it can be done, that there is life after like those points where you think you can't return that, that dark, dark place where like that rock bottom you were talking about that everybody has a different rock bottom. Mine was really dark. Yours was really dark, but you can come back from that. And taking all of that pain and all of that determination, I decided to go back and I did the mountain again. While I was in work release still, I was planning a four-day excursion for myself. Um, I had a lead rucker, Nicholas Hallisey, and I had Jill Bolable, who was our um, second rucker and media affiliate. And where where is this? Uh, explain this, because, I mean, I'm from Miami where it's just flat. We have the beach. So <laughs> um, what oh, what's a four-day excursion exactly like? Like, you're actually just climbing the whole time? Yeah, just climbing the whole time. And this I is mean, in the Pikes Rockies? Peak Pikes Peak, okay. Is America's Mountain. Okay. Um, and it's up at 14,000 foot of elevation. And that wow. trail from the base of the incline is 13.5 miles long. Wow. So, and it's yeah. all, it's it's 13.5 miles long going up the whole time to the to reach up the 14,000. The 000. whole time, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And it was. It's incredibly difficult, but it is so worth it. it it's. I I I, I can't. You, you're giving me goosebumps because I can't even picture that. I mean, you're talking to a marine that I mean I've been through the crucible and stuff, and and and, and I know I, there's probably some marines listening right now that are joking with the whole East Coast West Coast thing. If you went to boot camp in the East Coast, we don't have mountains. If you went to boot camp in the West Coast, you, they have the mountains. So they have to hump those, you know, and hike those mountains. And uh, I got to experience them when I was in Cali for a little bit when I when I was stationed in Pendleton. But they're not the mountains that I saw when I was in Estes Park visiting my, my nephew for his wedding in Colorado. Right. Those mountains are pretty big. So you're telling me that it takes you a four-day excursion. And did you do this? With your prosthetics, or did you do this? No, Travis and I did this with our hands and on our. Because Travis is in the same position as you. He doesn't have. Uh, uh, yes, sir. Legs. Travis is. Oh, um, sir, me. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was injured over in uh, Afghanistan. All right. So Travis was injured. I can actually get you hooked up with him. He would be a great one to talk to. Awesome. Yeah. And then we'll bring you, Travis, and uh, Tyler on board, and we'll. I think that would be a great fishing trip. How about that? <laughs> that would be cool. Um, but uh, but no, so tell me more about this because this is amazing. So you guys did not use your prosthetics and you did this whole entire four-day uh, trek with uh, obviously with a group of people. But, I mean, how does this, how does this go? You're at it for eight hours, ten hours. Uh, you're sleeping. This is no. – I mean, you have me – <laughs> I'm still trying to figure this out. So, yeah, 12 hour days of just crawling up the mountain. And this was my second time that I had been up. And so, <laughs> only your second time up Pike or the Pike's Peak? It was only my second time, but none of them except for uh, Robert Greiner, who had shown up. He was a, another random Instagrammer who, who saved us. Thank you, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he was the only, only one who had randomly joined us last 
second who had been up. And so it, it was just long days of crawling and then, uh, you know, gathering firewood, setting up fire camp, getting food in us, getting, making, making sure that we're hydrated all the time and that we're always making sure that we can get more filtered water at our water points and uh, just lots of dust. What do you rocks. feel? What do you feel when you get up top? I mean, it's, it's really emotional. Um, I, I really wanted to plan that excursion around my sobriety, my one year of sobriety, uh, because it was really the hardest thing I'd ever done. Your sobriety was that mountain. You know, I've done the mountain twice now. That's 13.5 miles of just uh, anguish and determination. But um, getting getting sober was harder. And so I wanted to kind of set my one-year sobriety date um, around that <clears throat> mountain summit time. And so my, my dad got to give me my one-year sobriety chip up on top of the mountain. And I'm so proud of that because uh, my dad and I had always had kind of a strained relationship and um, just actually hearing that he was proud of me and knowing that I had made it, I hadn't failed on that promise to myself um, really helped me get back to what I was trying to do originally. And, uh, so it was after that mountain climb that I set out on this mission to go and try to climb all the towers in New York city. And I ended up emailing 500 people and getting in contact with all these police officers and whatever else. And I finally got a hold of, uh, police officer Terrence Kinslow out there and I got to do a school donation that I I didn't even get to show up for I just I got to donate a bunch of stuff and I was super happy about that but it was in the name of Cars for Heroes and I got to go and climb the Statue of Liberty they had actually shut down the entire island for me that morning and I got to ride over on a staff ferry with my teammate Nicholas Hallisey and uh they gave me three hours to climb the stairwell and I ended up knocking it out in seven minutes. <laughs> Cause you're a beast. <laughs> wow. In seven exactly. minutes. And how, 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 how high up is it? I've never been to the Statue of Liberty. Um, you know, it's We're gonna have to look far it less, uh, <laughs> far less than the incline, but it's but a confined <laughs> space and spiral staircase. No, it's like, Yes, it was the confined space that really got to me, really. Uh, other than that, it was a really uh, amazing experience. Wow. And just as a woman of America getting to climb our representation of freedom. Yeah, Lady um, Liberty. After getting set free <laughs> was such a moment for me. And um, I was glad to share that um, with everybody that I could because I don't feel like a lot of people 
get that kind of opportunity. And I, I felt very blessed and thankful to um, the park service there in New York and um, Jerry Willis, who helped me set everything up and gave me the grand tour and uh, helped us take pictures and whatnot. And all of the staff there, like they had a member of SWAT. They had, I had people message me on Instagram who were like, hey, we're, we're members of security and we were just watching you. You did that really fast. <laughs> like, hey, we were supposed to get overtime paying. It was only seven minutes. We were supposed to get paid for three hours. <laughs> um, so, but that is, all right. So did you at least get to spend the other two and two hours and change there looking at the, at the statue? <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. I, so. I got to, you know, go on the, the good tour and uh, I got to see the old flame that used to be up there after the uh, renovations that they did not too long ago. And it's just, I was incredibly proud of that moment. Uh, I wish that my grandpa had made it just, just a little bit longer to see that one. Cause you know, he, you walked into his house and it was just all bald eagles and American flags like America, you know, it's a very patriotic moment for me. I get asked a lot if I'm a vet because of my position and my amputation and while and your tats <laughs> you know we, yeah, we look <laughs> and my tats and you know everything else and i uh i always feel quite awkward answering that question you know it's like no um because you guys really have done the ultimate sacrifice for us um back here at home and i i see a lot of able-bodied people that live happy lives because of those that don't come back and because of those that come back injured. And so it's huge. I, I mean, it's huge. We'll just... always advocate for that relative pain, you know, um, while it's a different injury, it's a different circumstance. Um, and I maybe can't relate with the military aspect of it. I, uh, I feel like it's my duty to advocate for the military, for those people that have sacrificed so much for us. And, um, you know, there's, there's different ways of going about things. And so I, I just, I, I really want to advocate for those that struggle and the 22 veteran suicides a day and not just veteran suicides, but suicides everywhere. Um, yeah. And that's, it's huge. I mean, uh, it's it's a, it, it, that's why I started this podcast because at first I was like, all right, I, I started the organization because I wanted to help vets out and stuff like that. But then I started realizing that it's such a struggle because I've been in the position where a lot of these individuals I'm trying to help are at and the ones that really, really, really need the help don't reach out. So it, it, I need to find them somehow. And it was becoming, it's, it's becoming hard and impossible. So I thought about the podcast and I was like, if I do the podcast, I could just throw it out there. And what you said, those people that you don't know, you know, that are watching or supporting you like that Instagrammer, you know, that showed up for your, I mean, I wake up, I woke up yesterday and my post or, or the day before and I go check my analytics and I'm like, Oh my God, I got listeners in Finland, Switzerland, Bulgaria, Japan, Australia, 
I'm like, what is going on here? I'm like, whoa, I'm worldwide. So uh, Isn't that awesome, it's, though? it's awesome know? because the word's getting out there and people are listening and I'm getting civilians messaging me and saying, wow, you know, uh, I finally had a civilian the other day, Laura, speak about cancer. And then finally I have another civilian right here. You know, it just so happens it's two powerful women, you know, I mean, it's 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 amazing because, like you said, all our stories are are dark for ourselves and we, we see them pitch black and we think that it, it, it can't get any worse, but it can. I mean, how you, you think about it, ladies and gentlemen, what you just heard, you think it can't get any worse, but you're listening to somebody that was run over by a train, lost her legs. And then a little bit after that, you know, alcohol took over, got DUIs and then, a reporter decided to ruin her life or try to smear her, and it worked. The world came down on her. When you thought that it couldn't get any worse because you lost your legs, now what you were hoping for is the support of individuals saying, man, you can do this, and now they're they're tearing you down on social media and bullying you. It's it's. I mean, I don't even understand how you came back from that, but you did, and you went, and you did a four-day excursion, you know, so... What I'm trying to what I'm trying to show I really is, did it for those people that you don't think are listening. Yeah. Because those are the people I didn't know I was touching. And I I I feel like I I owe my honesty to. Because they're the people that are going to listen acknowledge and do something about it and change you know i for a long time couldn't even look through my messages but then i got messages in there of filtered people that were like i just want you to know that i was going through the exact same thing as you at that time and you saved my life and that that is what I'm after. If people want to bully about the past, I'm going to let them because they're not going to get anywhere. Sit and spin. That's fine. You're, you're stuck in the past, not me. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're stuck back there, not me. I'm already over here. You know, and, and you mentioned something. You get messages like that, you know, about people that are hurting like that and, and suffering or have been bullied or anything that, that they could connect but then you also get messages, I'm sure, from parents of little kids that you might inspire, little girls, little kids that didn't get run over, just might have been born like that or whatnot, or, or lost their legs somehow. And these I get kids, that a lot. You know, these kids, the these kids have an opportunity with you that hopefully, you know, they're not out. As a kid, you don't have the luxury like we do as adults to, you know, get a bottle and dwell into that bottle because I know how hard alcohol hits. You know, I have gifts. People have given me thousand dollar bottles of bourbon that sit here in my house and they're unopened because I haven't drank alcohol, hard alcohol in years. I'll drink beer, but I cannot, I can't drink hard alcohol because if I do, I don't know what's going to happen. I, the last time I did, you know what? The last time I did, I did a lot of Coke. Right. And the last time I did, I thought I was going to die. The last time I ever drank a lot of hard a lot of hard alcohol and I don't want to do that anymore. So I've always been scared with that, you know, and 
it's just it's just these so when it comes to the kids like i think they have such an awesome opportunity because they don't get to experience that all they get to see is a superhero you know right <laughs> you know everybody's got to come back from something and mine one's a little bit of a darker hole but i'm hoping it launches me pretty far out of that catapult because <laughs> yeah. i'm gonna give all the tension and pressure i can on the opposite end of that line that's awesome i think i think you're doing it right i think you're using all of that to fuel you to to do that to catapult forward um what is it that you're doing now um you know are you, are you working with any organizations are you are you doing any any are you planning any excursions funniest story uh back in late september i had a gentleman from florida with an organization called 50 legs come to visit me in my little shoebox apartment up in colorado and um his name's steve chamberlain He's actually the director of 50 Legs. And, and that's was, uh, 50 Legs, www.50legs.org? Yep. The, the number 50, right? Yep. Okay. The so. number 50 and legs.org. And he came to Colorado and uh, he had heard a bit of my story and my issues with prosthetics. And um, he told me that. If I came down to Florida, he would get me up walking and running and that it wouldn't be just a one-time thing. I could walk and run for the rest of my life if I wanted to. And so by November 4th, I got my ass on a plane and hello, Florida. <laughs> uh, I got fitted with my first actual working set of sockets and for the first time, in six years, I was able to leave my wheelchair for days at a time. Um, I was actually completely ambulatory with the legs. And uh, cool thing about that is, is naturally whenever you're up walking, uh, your limb tends to lose volume because that uh, gets pushed up into your body and your residual limb the residual limb I have that goes into the socket shrinks. And right about January time, we had the Rona hit. <laughs> so while I was supposed to go in and go ahead and get fitted for another set of sockets so that I can continue using my prosthetics. The world um, shut down. <laughs> the world shut down. Yeah. And so um, I'm currently out of my prosthetics but that's only temporary. I've gotten it down now to where it's like riding a bike. So as soon as I'm fitted with prosthetics, again, that are a little more tighter around my residual limb and uh, allow me to walk in the, you know, custom liners and all that other stuff. So I'll be back into those very soon. I'm going to be starting fitting here pretty quickly. And then I'm going to be getting a deck scan so that I can get running and it was kind of a really big choice on my part. <clears throat> I was very depressed um, in Colorado because of all that had happened. And I had still given my heart and everything that I had. And um, I decided to move away from Colorado. And I moved to Florida 
got myself a little place here in Leesburg, Florida, um, down the street from the director of 50 Legs, which uh, Mandy and her family have taken me in and been such a blessing to me here. And yeah, I'm just really trying to get back to my life. I've got, you know, I stepped away from the media so hard because I, I let everything that everybody else had to say about me that didn't even know me get to me. Um, I'm just, I don't think that that's worth it anymore because I feel like those people that I reach and, and I touch and I actually help are worth more than that, uh, that negative opinion. And I'm just, I'm getting back out there full time. You know, I'm, I'm doing modeling. I, <laughs> I'm trying to get back into acting. I'm, I'm trying to really help uh, out with the 50 legs organization. I'm reaching out and doing more podcasts. I'm doing more articles in the media. I, I actually turned down a uh, story with inside edition back in January because uh, I was just so out there um, trying to get settled down here and getting my life back in order. So now that I feel like I'm not so engulfed by negativity, I can go about things in a different way. Um, it's kind of funny because now that I don't live in Colorado, I, I had a conversation with one of my friends who had me reflecting on my time there. And uh, he said that he saw me on a commercial and they show me and Travis and they introduce us as the hometown heroes. And um, it wasn't like that when I was there, you know? And it's a little sad to me that it's like that now, but I'm also very proud of that because um, I don't know of any hero's story that doesn't have that traumatic down point that they have to overcome. And to have numerous of those and still get back up, come on, let's yeah. go, you know? Yep. Yep. <laughs> Yep, I speak, uh, Jay, my brother Jason Redmond, that Tyler, that's how I met Tyler. Um, he speaks about that. It's called the overcome mindset is what he, you know, and I'm one of his coaches and mentors in his program, but <clears throat> ironic. I'm so you. lucky to have Tyler in my life. Oh, that's, I think we all are. <laughs> you know how I met that dude? How? He added me on Facebook shortly after I had been amputated. No, Just on this. Facebook though. Just on Facebook. So you didn't, you still hadn't seen his Instagram name. <laughs> No, we hadn't met in person. We had talked religiously for, for years. We hadn't met in person until I moved down here. Isn't that strange? That is so cool. He's a Tyler's. You know, he helped person. me out through figuring out like the whole new life because people don't really understand what it's like to be a double amputee confined to a chair or prosthetics. Like that's your life. Everything has an extra step to it. There's a way you can go about doing things, but there's generally you got to figure it out. Right. And uh, I, I, I've gone to Tyler and asked him several things throughout the years. And uh, he's been a great source of motivation and inspiration for me um, to get back out there and just 
really, I think we all have the common goal to spread that message of hope and light and happiness after darkness, you know? Yeah, that's the thing. That's what I tell people. And, uh, I tell people all the time, cause I get, I've, I've been asked already, Hey, so how much are you getting paid for this? I'm like getting paid for what? I'm like, I'm wasting money. I'm like, it costs me money to, to, to put this up in the server or wherever, however I broadcast this. It costs me money to broadcast this monthly. I pay for SoundCloud. I pay for everything. I'm like, I haven't, I haven't made a single sponsor yet. I go, the reality is I'm doing this because I don't think anybody that asking me that question has ever really been in pitch black darkness. Right. And let me tell you something. When you see darkness, when you see in my cases and combat veterans cases, first responders, you know, where you see more than darkness. And I say, I say you, you see death. I mean, you see human life. I've seen human life leave a body as it's going. And I've seen it, you know, a body after it's gone. And, I've become to the point where I'm desensitized to it. I don't even react like I should anymore to it. Um, and I just want individuals to know that if they are in that darkness, the reason I'm doing this is because there is light, man. Just keep walking, keep walking, keep walking, keep walking. Hopefully you'll you know, bump into a wall or you might start seeing the light. But it, I, I've been a- we've been able to see pitch black and we've been able to see light again. And, and Mandy, in your case, you've seen it at least four or five times because you said you died three times. Yeah. So I don't even know, I mean, what else to say? I mean, if you're not inspired by her story, it's, 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 you need to get out there. You need to stop sitting on whatever it is you're sitting on um, because, it, it, there's no point in sitting in there in that darkness and that depression or anything, get out and go do it, get out and move yourself. I mean, look what she just did. I mean, she, she went from honestly wanting to kill herself at night to the following morning, taking a new path in her life that, I mean, ultimately changed it. You know, do you have any plans on doing that peak or any of these on your legs? Um, you know, I had actually made it a goal of mine to go back to Colorado and climb the mountain yearly last year because I, I know that I can do it and I just love it up there and I, I love doing it, you know? It gets you out there and even if it sucks and you hurt, you feel good about doing it. And Unfortunately, with all of this Rona thing going on, um, Colorado Springs has been a hot spot for activity. And I've had some <clears throat> other health issues that it's been um, decided why, yeah, that. Why put I, yourself at risk? Yeah, it, it's been decided that uh, with my immune system the way it is, um, it's not in my best interest to be traveling back to Colorado, um, in the year 2020. And, uh, yeah, so that sucks. I, I really do miss my mountain and I had hoped that I would get to do that again, but I'll tell you uh, what, the next time 
you ever do that excursion or you plan it, I'm being serious. You let me know and, and I'll join you. Okay. I've never done it. I've never done it, but <laughs> I'll do it. I don't care. Um, I, I totally want to, I know what it is. I think it, it, sometimes you just feel that pain to go through pain and, and, and actual physical pain and then get to get to a place where it's just, it's unreachable unless you go through that pain. It makes you feel alive and it makes exactly. you, it makes, it makes the pains you go through then in the little things you do. Like for instance, me wanting to start this podcast that it took me a year. It makes those pains seem like nothing, you know? Right. So yeah. Mandy, thank you. I, so I wanna... oh, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I just didn't want to keep you. I thought I was keeping you too long before, before no, your time. You're good. So. I just wanted to say thank you for having me on the podcast. I really enjoyed getting on here to kind of share. Um, my story and I hope that if you're struggling out there uh, please reach out to somebody please get out there and do something um, please I, I mean even if you don't believe in yourself right now believe in these these simple words that it it does get better um, I mean it's not a cliche it does get better yeah so thank you Thank you so much, Mandy. Um, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget, keep in contact with her at her social medias. Let's go ahead and give you that social media one more time, Mandy, out there. Absolutely. You can follow me on Instagram at lifeproofbionicwoman. And you can follow me on Facebook at Mandy Horvath on my public figure page. H-O-R-V as in Victor, A-T-H. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mandy. I really appreciate having you on the show. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the Post Traumatic Survival Podcast. We sure do appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll receive notifications from us as new episodes become available. If you feel so inclined, please leave us a review. We certainly appreciate it. And don't forget to tell your friends about the show. We appreciate you and them. Until next time, survivors. <laughs>